0: And today we're reading from the scriptures in Romans fifteen, eight through 13 beginning for I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles I will sing to your name And again it says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him the Gentiles will hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.
1: Romans chapter 15, uh, beginning uh, in verse 8. The title of the message today is Hope, and uh, the the passage ends that way in verse 13, but we have to get to it and understand the source of our hope as the Scripture presents it. And hopefully this morning we'll do a really good job understanding how we have hope and uh, where that hope ought to reside, because all of us want to have hope and want to have hope uh, that lasts. So the question is, that I have for you as we get started this morning, is this. When you pick up your Bible, or you pick up your device to read your Bible in the morning, however you interact with your scripture, when you pick up your Bible, what are you hoping to find? When you pick up your Bible and you crack that sucker open in the morning, or in the evening, or the afternoon, or whenever you happen to do it, or you turn it on, uh, your mp3 player when you're getting ready in the morning, whatever you do, what are you hoping to find? Are you, yeah, Dale said one of them is encouragement. Some of us are hoping to find inspiration. Some of us are hoping to find mercy and grace and strength to make it through another day. Here's what we need to understand about all of those things is what we find in the Bible is Jesus. That's what we find in the Bible. So what we find in the Bible is Jesus, And if we're looking for other things, we're gonna come up empty. So for example, you go to Walmart or you go to Fred Meyer, wherever you like to shop for things, and you're looking for a sleeping bag. And so you go to the home section, looking in the bedding section, and you ask the person where are your sleeping bags. And they say, well, they're not here. They're in the sporting goods section. And you say, you sleep in a sleeping bag. It should be in the bedding section. And the employee says, it's not my problem, bro. Since they're in the sporting goods say you look here all day long. You're not gonna find it And this is what we do we go to our scripture and we're looking for something specific encouragement inspiration grace a little bit of something to get us through the day and It might be that we're looking for something. We're in the wrong section because if you're in the Bible What you're going to find is Jesus And he is the source of all those other things that we might also be seeking. But if we seek those other things, without seeking the Christ of those things, we will always come up short. So two guys were going for a long walk. They were talking about the news of the day. And the news of the day was very sad and distressing for them. Things had not gone the way that they thought they should have gone. And these two guys were walking down to a ro- the road to a city called Emmaus, and their conversation is recorded in Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 13. The events of that day were the crucifixion of Jesus. That had just happened over the weekend, and they're walking down the road, and we're going to discover in just a few minutes, these guys were, were distressed. What makes life when it's crazy, not so crazy? What makes it okay? And they're trying to figure this out. Life is not working the way they thought it was supposed to work, especially as it comes to their faith in God. It wasn't going the way they, they thought it was supposed to go. And the question is, what makes those pieces fit together? I have a faith in God and I trust he's up to something, but the, the details of my life don't fit what I think it ought to be. What is going to bring these pieces together? Together. How do we find hope even in the saddest times? And what we're going to learn in Luke 24 as well as over in Romans 15 hope, even in the saddest times, is found in Jesus because the hope of Jesus is found in the Scripture. Hope is found in Jesus because the hope of Jesus is found in the Scriptures from cover to cover. Are you in Luke 24? You thought we were going to be in Romans 15. We will be. We'll get there. Luke 24, beginning in verse 13, two of them, they're walking along about seven miles from Jerusalem. They're talking to each other about all of these things. And while they were discussing these things together, Jesus himself drew near. Their eyes were kept from recognizing him. So Jesus himself draws near to these guys, and, and they, he says to them, What are you guys talking about? And. What what are your, What's this conversation you're having? And this is the description of these two guys. They stood still, looking sad. That was their response. They stood there, staring at him, like, what, "Who are you?" And and they looked sad. One of them said, "Are you the only one in Jerusalem who doesn't know what's going on? Is your Facebook broken? Like, how do you not know what happened?" And and he says, "What things?" He wants them to declare what these things are. And they said, "Listen." Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word. How the the priests and the rulers delivered him up to be killed and he was crucified. We had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. There's where their hope is. We had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. What what happened to their hopes? They're feeling disappointed in their hopes. Besides all this, it's now the third day since these things happened Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They went and they didn't find his body at the tomb. Some of those others that were with us also went and found it just as the women had said, because, you know, you've got to verify what women say. You think I'm being a chauvinist. I don't think that. They would have thought that in the first century, though. Absolutely. And so... We may not like it, but your Bible was written in the first century. Deal with it. Jesus responds to them with the care only Jesus can. Oh, foolish ones. How slow you are to believe. Listen, how slow you are. What's he say? How slow you are to believe all the prophets have spoken. Critically important right here. How slow you are to believe your Bible. Is it what's funny here is he didn't walk them through the crucifixion the resurrection. It is finished Loaves feeding 5,000 walking on water turning water to wine. He didn't do any of that. What do he say? Haven't you guys been reading your Bible? And if you have Don't you believe what it says? Isn't that interesting how slow you are to believe all the prophets have spoken look at verse 27 of, of um, Whatever book we're in Luke 24 beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. They had a one-on-one, two-on-one Bible study with Jesus working their way through Moses. That's the first five books of the Bible. The prophets and the writings, that's the rest of their Old Testament, outlining for them, here's what your Bible says about himself. The, The Messiah had to come and suffer and be raised from the dead. The hope of the Messiah is in your Bible, he's trying to communicate to them. Everything that was done was necessary and everything that was done was done as your Bible said it was gonna happen. This is what he says down in verse 32 after, or they say in verse 32, their eyes are open, they realize who he is and he disappears. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while we talked on the road and while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose and they went and found the eleven and told them what had happened. Did not our hearts burn within us? Why'd they, why were their hearts burning within them? Was it because they were with Jesus? Certainly. But what did they tie that to? Their understanding was we understand something about Jesus even while we are standing with Jesus when he did What? opened the Scripture to them. Their hope was to be found in Christ as made known in their Bible. And interestingly, in their Bible, which up to this point was just the Old Testament, hope is to be found in Jesus because Jesus is found in your Bible. That's what Jesus is telling them in Luke 24. Have hope in me because the Bible told you I was coming. It it told you I was coming for a very, very long time. And he challenges them. Why are you being so foolish? Doesn't your Bible tell you what's going to happen? And didn't you believe what the Bible had to say? Your scripture gives you Jesus, and Jesus gives you hope. Your scripture gives you Jesus, and Jesus gives you hope. If you're reading your Bible for something other than Jesus, you will have a hard time finding hope because Jesus is the source of hope. And where do we find out about Jesus? In our Bible, even in the book of Genesis. Jesus in Luke and Paul in Romans isn't the only one to understand this. Peter understood this as well. This is in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 22. I know we're in Romans today. We'll get to it, maybe, if, I've, if I feel like it, all right? Peter, an eyewitness of the crucifixion, eyewitness of the resurrection, he had this to say as he was giving a message to the people of Israel, maybe a month and a half after Jesus' death and resurrection. Men of Israel, hear these words. This is Acts 2:22. definite plan and foreknowledge of God. So Peter is making the argument that you guys, the people of Israel, you crucified Jesus at the hands of Romans according to God's plan. This was God's plan all along. Verse 24, God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. You can't keep Jesus dead. Are you kidding me? He's God. David says this concerning him. This is Acts 2.25. Concerning who? David was talking about who? You didn't know David knew Jesus, did you? Maybe you did. Probably wouldn't have known his name, but he knew what was going on. Peter tells us David knew what was going on. Look at what Peter says. David says this concerning him. I saw the Lord always before me for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced my flesh also will dwell in hope For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption You have made known to me the paths of life You have make you will make me full of gladness with your presence Listen to what Peter says about David here in verse 29 brothers I may say to you with confidence about our patriarch David that he both died and was buried. His tomb is with us to this very day. Therefore, as a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his thrones, he, that is David, foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up. So Peter here is making the argument that David as a prophet foretold the resurrection of the Messiah in the book of Psalms. David knew that Jesus would be raised and Jesus was raised. How did Peter know Jesus was raised? He had breakfast with him. He's an eyewitness to the resurrected Christ. He's not making a claim of the Bible says he was raised. He's saying he's raised because I had breakfast with him. I hung out with him for 40 days. David knew Jesus was going to be raised. Jesus was raised. And what the Bible tells us is here, since Christ is raised and since your Bible knew he was going to be raised, in Jesus then we can have... Because in our Bible, we find hope. Hope is from our scripture in Christ, raised from the dead. That's the argument Peter is making in Acts chapter 2. A couple of other verses in the book of Acts. A little bit later on in his sermon, he doesn't pull his punches too much at the end. Let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him, that is Jesus, Lord and Christ. This Jesus, you know, the one you crucified. Bad news. If all of a sudden you're having a change of heart, what does that mean about you? You crucified the Messiah. They heard this. They were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, what should we do? And he answers, repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for their forgiveness. Of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Even if you actively participated in the crucifixion of God himself, if you will repent and believe, your sin will be forgiven and you will be given the Holy Spirit that you in Christ might have hope because Christ is revealed in the scriptures. This is the appropriate response to the Bible telling us about Jesus. Repent, believe Jesus, Receive forgiveness of sins and also the Holy Spirit. Hope is about Jesus, is from Jesus, and is told to us in our scripture. The message of hope is life-changing. It brings forgiveness of sins. We learned something else though, in Romans 15. Hope, though, is not only for the people of Israel, it's for somebody else. It's also for the Gentiles. So are you ready to actually get into the passage this morning? Yeah, like 20 minutes ago. Let's go over to Romans 15:8. I'm just kidding. Let's go. No, I'm kidding. We're go to Romans 15, 8. Here's what, let me read verses 8 and 9, Romans 15. For I tell you, Christ became a servant to the circumcised. Who are the circumcised? Speaking of Israel, maybe other people are also circumcised during that time. There might have, there were many nations that practice a male circumcision. He's speaking here in particular of the uh, the covenant people of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. He's saying Christ became a servant to Israel, to the circumcised, to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. That's what Jesus talked about in Luke 24. That's what Peter talked about in Acts chapter two, Jesus came and he fulfilled all of the promises that were given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But Paul continues on in verse nine, look what he says. And in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. So now Paul is gonna say that we have hope in Christ as the people of Israel because that was promised through all of the patriarchs, Moses and the prophets and the writings, not only that, where there is also hope for the Gentiles. Now, certainly, in order to understand that Jesus was going to die and be raised for the Gentiles, we'd have to go somewhere other than our Old Testament, right? Certainly, we would need to go to Ephesians, or maybe Galatians, or maybe 2 Timothy, or maybe Jude, right? Problem is, none of these books had been written yet. So what Paul does in Romans 15 is the same thing Jesus did in Luke 24 and the same thing that Peter did in Acts chapter two. He goes through Moses and the prophets and the Psalms and says, guess what? The plan has always been to give Gentiles hope. That's always been the plan, not merely to save the people of Israel, but to have the Messiah, Jesus himself, bring hope to the Gentiles. So we're gonna look at these passages very briefly uh, as a way of understanding how uh, Paul makes this argument. So we have hope for Jesus from the Scripture, and here we have hope of Jesus for the Gentiles. Romans chapter 15, beginning in verse 9, as it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. This is Psalm 1849. Psalm eighteen. 49. this is a lengthy psalm 50 verses pretty lengthy psalm psalm 1849 and the entire psalm is a psalm of salvation and rescue and Here at the end of this psalm of salvation and rescue is this little verse that in some ways would be considered controversial For this I will praise you O Lord among the nations and sing to your name Think of yourself living in King David's time. Where would you sing? to to the Lord. Where's the appropriate place to worship the Lord? The temple. And here we have a hymn of the temple that specifically says, oh no, God, I'm going to praise you among the nations. And any good Levites or priestly, uh, those of the priestly service would say, hey, simmer down, little camper. You're going to do your worship at the temple like the law tells you to. And David here in the Psalms is saying, no, no, no. The Lord's name is going to be praised among the nations. And the Apostle Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Romans, is reminding us the point is being made, God will be praised not merely at the temple, but around the world among the nations. The Gentiles will sing praises to God's name. A psalm of salvation that's going to be sung by, of all things, Gentiles, people who hadn't crossed the Red Sea or wandered in the wilderness or conquered Jericho. Worldwide praise of God is anticipated in the Psalms in Psalm 49. Romans 15 10 is a quote from Deuteronomy 32 43. Deuteronomy 32 43. This is important because when Jesus was talking to the guys on the road to Emmaus, he told he taught them from Moses and the prophets. That's Moses and the prophets and the writings. And here the apostle Paul is doing the same thing in Romans. He's also refer, he's already referred to the Psalms, which we'd call the prophets or the writings, and now he's referring to Deuteronomy, which was written by a guy named Moses. And here's what is recorded in Deuteronomy 32:43, "Rejoice, you nations, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants. Rejoice, you nations, with Israel." Rejoice you nations with Israel. This is a really interesting song That Moses has written. This is right at the end of the song. It's the last Stanza or the second to last stanza of this song. This is a song that God told Moses to write. It's a really lengthy song It's very very long. You wouldn't get much airplay God goes to Moses one day and he says, Moses you're gonna die. You're pretty much time to punch out He said but I want you to write a song For the people of Israel they need they need some good high-quality music. I'm being silly, of course God says if the people of Israel are rebelling against me while you're alive Moses What do you think they're gonna do when they when you die? What I want you to do is write a song to them about how rebellious they're going to be So that when they are rebelling they'll remember the song you taught them and they'll be convicted that what I said would happen did happen so it's a song of rebellion. It's telling the people of Israel, you're going to rebel against me, and so I'm going to teach you this song. So it'd be like you sitting down with your kids. Kids, I want to teach you a song about how you disobey your parents. I mean, as a parent, you would say, I got an idea. I'll teach you a song about what happens when you disobey your parents, or something like this. And God, because what God wants to do is predict. He wants them to understand. I know what's going to happen to people. You're going to rebel against me. At the end of this song is a, is the, is a, a refrain of grace and kindness rejoice you nations with his people he will avenge the blood of his servants so even though his people are going to experience judgment because of their rebellion all the people around the world are to rejoice because God will make good his covenant promises to his people so even in the midst of his song of judgment God wants the Gentiles to rejoice not just Israel because God is just and he will be faithful to his covenant promises to Israel, even though they live in rebellion. And he calls all of the world to rejoice. Rejoice you nations uh, with his people. And that's exactly the point that the apostle Paul is making in the book of Romans. The nations rejoice because God works and is faithful to his covenant promises. All right, another psalm. This is uh, again in Romans 15, 11, It's Psalm 117. Some of you... Uh, are like me, and you have trouble memorizing scripture, and so you say, You know what? Someday I want to memorize a whole chapter of the Bible. Pick Psalm 117, it's two verses. <laughs> and uh, so you could say to yourself, I memorize an entire chapter of the Bible, it's two verses. If you're like me, you'll struggle with that as well. So here's the two verses of Psalm 117 Praise the Lord, all nations, extol him, all peoples for great is his steadfast love towards us, and his faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. A good Israelite, worshiping at the temple, would have said, worship him, all nations, if you become a Jew, if you join in temple worship, if you circumcise your sons, if you offer appropriate offering. But that's not what the psalm says. And that's exactly the point of Paul in Romans 15. Worship all you peoples because Jesus saves sinners, all the peoples. A psalm of praise for all nations because of God's steadfast love, because God's love endures forever, not just because God loves Israel, but because God is watching over and caring for all of the people of the world Gentiles included. One last verse. This is from Isaiah in the prophets. Again, the Apostle Paul is using the same technique that Jesus used in Luke 24. He's looking at prophets. He's looking at Moses. He's looking at Psalms saying, there is hope of the gospel in Christ in all of our Old Testament. Here's what it says in Isaiah eleven ten: In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations Inquire, and his resting place will be glorious. The root of Jesse. Who is Jesse? Jesse was David's father. So he's talking here about the family of David. The root of Jesse, that which is going to come from the house of David, he will stand as a signal for the people. The people will see this root of Jesse and say, Help is coming, help is here. And not merely the people of Israel. What does it say? Of him shall thee nations inquire. How did you inquire of the Lord in the Old Testament? The king would go to the priest and he would offer an offering and the priest would inquire of the Lord and the priest would come back and bring his answer uh, to the king based on what the Lord revealed. Could a Gentile wander in and talk to the high priest and ask for guidance? No way. Absolutely not. So certainly you have to be a Jew to get guidance from the Lord, to understand God's purposes And what Paul is telling us in Romans about Isaiah is he's saying, no, no, no. The Messiah is for everybody. We're going to see the Messiah, and we're going to see a sign that help has arrived, and we will inquire of him, seeking repentance and forgiveness of sins. The point being is this if you want to have hope, you need to find Jesus. And where do you find Jesus? In your Bible, in your scripture. The root of Jesus is found here in Isaiah. The root of Jesse, the Messiah, is found here in Isaiah. In fact, I would argue you can find the ministry of the Messiah, Genesis to Revelation, Romans 15, back to verse 8 for just a moment. I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness and that the Gentiles might glorify God. So we must understand that Jesus' ministry did a number of things. It brought forgiveness, brought redemption, brings life to all who trust him. It also brings fulfillment of God's covenant promises to his people of Israel. It also brings the means for all people by faith in Christ to be joined to the people of God that everyone would glorify God. The hope of Jesus for the Gentiles is in the scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, the Gentiles have hope in Jesus the Messiah as Israel does. Here's what we have to understand about coming to our scriptures. Here's what we need to recognize about reading our Bibles. That when we open our Bible, we're on the road to Emmaus like those two disciples. That's the thing. When you open your Bible, the idea is you find Jesus. The question will be anytime we open our scripture, are we going to find Jesus, or is our vision clouded? And at the end of the day, well, my, I don't know what's here. The goal is when we open our scripture to encounter the forgiveness and grace of Christ, that we might have hope. When we open our scripture for other purposes, we might find hope or a little bit of inspiration for the day or a quote we can post on Instagram, I don't know. But what we must do is find Jesus in our scripture, because that's where hope is comes from. That's where strength comes from to make it to the end. That's where recognition that God saves sinners like us comes from is when we open our Bibles and Jesus is made known to us regardless of where we are reading. Hope. Hope of Jesus is in the scripture and hope of Jesus in the scripture is also for those of us who are Gentiles. Look at verse 13 this is where it's all headed. He prays a prayer. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. So the prayer here is that we would have hope and it would fill us with joy and peace. Now, who doesn't want joy and peace? Doesn't that sound fantastic? that comes from hope, but it comes from a specific kind of hope. And this is what it says, hope that comes from joy and peace in believing. So this is what Peter, and this is what Paul understood. This hope comes from what Christ is doing and what Christ alone is doing. Jesus bringing salvation and forgiveness of sins, For sinners like us, we have hope, which gives us joy and peace, because Christ saved sinners like us. That we would have the power of the Holy Spirit, that we would abound in hope. That we would abound in hope. A couple of things uh, to pay attention to here. Look again at Romans 15.8. Christ came to be a servant. This is really, really important for us as believers, especially as you look at verse seven. If you have your copy, it's not on the screen, but Romans 15, seven says this, therefore welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. So how has Christ welcomed us? The Bible tells us he welcomed us as a servant. So one of the things we have to understand about what we discover about Christ in Romans, his ministry was a ministry of servanthood and that should inform us how we serve and love and care for others around us. One of the ways we express hope within us is to serve others the way Christ served us. When we have hope, we have the reserve necessary to invest and care in the lives of others around us. When we have no hope, we spend all of our life shoring up our life trying to have the strength just to make it through another day. But when Christ, by His grace, fills us with His hope that comes with the power of his resurrection, we say, you know, I got lots of hope. I can share that with others and serve others. Christ became a servant, and therefore we should welcome one another. The ministry of Christ throughout Scripture should fuel the unity of the body of believers. If God can save Gentiles and welcome us into the people of God, can we welcome one another? Can we be like Jesus in that way. Again, look at at verse 13 of Romans 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, specifically in believing in Jesus. So here's where we have to really nail down as followers of Jesus this. and I I don't want to be rude. I mean, I want to be a little rude, but I don't want to be so rude that you get more annoyed than you already are. Here it is. We, We really want hope Jesus seems like, I mean, that's great, kind of for the religious thing. I mean, I wanna be religious, I wanna be a good person and all that, but I got a lot of other things going on. I got, there's a lot of other things that are are heavy duty kinds of things. And the Bible is presupposing that hope in Christ is the hope we need. So one of the challenges we face as believers, this is a, a faith proposition, do we believe that the hope Jesus offers is all the faith, we, all the hope we need? Or do we need Jesus and also our family to line out the way we want it? Or we need Jesus and we also need uh, some political issues to line out a little bit better than they have been. We need Jesus and we need some job stuff to get worked out. We've got all these other things that create despair and difficulty. And we say, Jesus is great, but I also have a few other things I need handled. And what the Bible is is supposing is when we have hope in Christ, those other things get put in their proper light. It's not that we don't seek the Lord's favor in all areas of our life, but the answer is this. If we have Christ and if he has been raised from the dead, and since he has been doing this since the beginning of time, is everything going to be okay for us? The answer is more than okay. We are going to experience the glory of God, as the Bible had said just earlier, that those who are in Christ will experience the glory and rest of Christ for all of time. One of the challenges we face as Christians is seeking to find our hope actually rest in Jesus, and not Jesus is okay as long as everything else is going okay. Jesus is our hope. me read verse 13 one more time. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Our hope in Christ is well-founded. Without Christ, all hopes are tenuous. Without Christ, everything we might rely on to have a sense of okayness in our life and a sense of stability in our life is only as strong as those things we might be hoping and wishing in. If we're not in Christ, the only way to have hope that is determined to last is to find the hope that is in Christ because he's been working on this project since the beginning of time. To give us strength in Christ alone. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing in Christ.